Hi, I'm Derek Thompson. Does the news feel overwhelming to you these days? There's a pandemic, then there's inflation, and also this crypto thing. It's way too much to keep track of. That's why my podcast, Plain English, breaks down the news twice a week. Short, sweet, and surprising. It's everything you need to know with key insights you won't forget. Listen to Plain English Free on Spotify. This episode of The Town is brought to you by FX's Feud, Capote versus the Swans. The second installment in Ryan Murphy's Feud anthology tells the story of acclaimed writer Truman Capote, once a confidant to society's most elite women, whom he nicknamed the Swans. Starring Naomi Watts, Diane Lane, Chloe Sevigny, Calista Flockhart, Demi Moore, Molly Ringwald, and Tom Hollander. For your Emmy consideration, visit fxnetworks.com FYC. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. It is Thursday, January 19th. If you're like me, you'll be watching a movie and you'll be like, holy crap, so-and-so looks great. Or wait a second, isn't he like 60? How does he look so good? Chances are these days that actor has had a little help and not just from plastic surgery. For years, it's been possible to credibly age or de-age someone, not using physical makeup, but through computer-generated visual effects. Sometimes it's called digital makeup, other names, and there are actors who actually demand it in their contracts. I will not name names. You've probably seen things like Robert De Niro in The Irishman or Kurt Russell in Guardians of the Galaxy 2, Harrison Ford in the trailer for the new Indiana Jones movies. Those are somewhat different situations where their characters are written younger or they are in a flashback or something like that. But you probably haven't noticed the more subtle work on actors just to make them look their best. Maybe 10 years younger, maybe give them better hair, more defined muscle tone. What you see is definitely not what is actually there these days. It's a whole area of visual effects and a huge global business, and it's still pretty expensive to execute at a high level. But that's changing thanks to the help of artificial intelligence, using sophisticated algorithms to generate visuals that were only possible previously through painstaking and costly computer graphics work. I've been interested in this topic for a while. I moderated a panel at CES a couple of weeks ago on it. It's way beyond the Tom Cruise deepfake that got so much attention. One of the participants in that panel, Matt Panousis, is at the forefront of generative AI for visual effects. And he happens to be introducing a new service today called Vanity AI, which is a step forward in making this stuff easier and more cost-effective. Matt's the co-founder and CEO of Monsters, Aliens, Robots, Zombies, or MARS, great name. He worked on shows like WandaVision, Stranger Things, Watchmen, and Wednesday, which I just watched. And his company's mission is to bring down the cost of studio-quality visual effects using artificial intelligence. Matt's billing his new service as the first that's able to deliver large volumes of high-end, de-aging, cosmetic work, wigs, prosthetics, all the stuff that makes characters look and act their best. So today, a deep dive into artificial intelligence and how it is making the actors on screen look way better than they do in real life. From The Ringer and Puck, I'm Matt Bellany, and this is The Town. 
All right, we are here with Matt Panousis. He is the COO of Monsters, Aliens, Robots, Zombies, one of my favorite company names in the history of Hollywood. Welcome. How are you doing, Matt? Thanks for having me. I'm doing great. So we met at a CES panel that we did a couple of weeks ago on the subject of AI, artificial intelligence, and Hollywood and actors uh, thrown by SAG-AFTRA, the Actors Guild. And it was an interesting topic that I wanted to explore more on the pod because I feel like there's a lot of misunderstanding out there about what visual effects can and can't do, what you're seeing on screen that's real and not real, and particularly when you look at actors and how often these days people are aged and de-aged and appearance altered and you know sometimes they've resurrected someone from the dead if you're watching a star wars movie and you're like wait a second didn't that person die um and you've got a new tool that you're releasing today actually called vanity ai that is a, a step forward you guys say in this entire process of using artificial intelligence to uh, help movies and tv with visual effects so please just explain for me how it works. How, how do you use artificial intelligence to create better images in movies and TV? Yeah, absolutely. So Vanity AI is, is the world's first end-to-end -end AI solution for Hollywood VFX. All that means is that it's a solution that, while providing creative control, is like 95% automated. And that's a level of automation that has just never existed in our industry. Um, 300 times faster than the current state of the art, beautiful quality, no capacity constraints. These are all the things that Hollywood is after. That's why we started building AI at Mars. Um, in terms of vanity and how it works, there are... I, the way I like to describe it to folks that aren't familiar with the traditional VFX process is when VFX artists are working, they're working frame by frame. So in a given shot, a shot being, we, we typically define it as five seconds of footage. It's roughly 200 frames. So in the traditional workflow, what you're doing is, specifically with regards to the application that we're working on, our first application, Vanity, when you're doing aging, de-aging, cosmetic work, what you're doing is you're identifying which regions on the face do I want to edit? So... Typically, it's going to be things like forehead lines, crow's feet, laugh lines. Um, there's a number of different changes that you can make to the face to achieve these kinds of effects. Um, what takes the most time is after identifying those regions, because you're working frame by frame, as faces are moving, as the camera's moving, as lighting is changing, you're having to go and just continually retrack where all of those target regions are on the face throughout a shot. That's one thing that Vanity totally changes. With Vanity, you establish the regions that you want to work on at the outset of the project. You do it once. It automatically tracks across every single shot in that film. And then the second component, you no longer have to work on the entire shot. All you have to do is move sliders on a frame in that shot that the system tees up for you. But what is the AI component of this? Is this not just a visual you know, formula that you use to execute essentially painting with digital tools? I mean, what is the artificial intelligence of it all? Yeah, no, great question. So the when you are adjusting those sliders um, to affect those target regions that you've identified, that's all generative AI in the background. 
So with a typical workflow, you actually have the artist trying to figure out like what would the texture be that would be ideal for these under eye bags or what have you. Mm -hmm. We already have those edits um, that exist and they call it latent space. And as you're adjusting the sliders, it's not you having as the artist to figure out, well, like what's the right texture and what am I going for here? You're moving the sliders in the background. That's the generative AI. So you're seeing those edits in real time. And that's, uh, and actually, even the tracking is a neural network as well. Um, the so ability it, knows. To it knows what you want when you make an act and you start painting something. It knows how to execute that throughout the rest of the sequence. Pretty much. So you've got a shot, okay? So you've got shot. We'll call it shot one, okay? Shot one is 250 frames. In the old world, you've got an artist that has to work on those 250 frames, track every time that face moves, how did those target regions move with the face, and then what am I doing in those target regions? With vanity, it's like, here's one or two frames. The target regions you already established, don't worry about tracking them. Just move the sliders to where you like them. Hmm, interesting. Now, for, for listeners that don't know why this actually matters, I mean, one of the big topics in the entertainment business over the past, I guess, decade or so with the rise of visual effects in television in particular and the expectations of the audience to basically see anything and everything on screen is that that's really expensive. And the cost of visual <laughs> effects is something that studios constantly gripe about. If you look at a movie, like a, a big budget summer movie, like a Spider-Man or something, you could think of dozens of visual effects houses that have worked on a single movie. And that's now, I mean, I watched Wednesday the other night, a movie a show that you guys worked on. And those are film quality visual effects on a you know teen drama on Netflix. And that's just what the audience expects now. So there's been a big push over the past few years to make visual effects less expensive. And I know there's a lot of labor issues and there's a lot of uh, controversy around some of the hours that a lot of these visual effects people work. And there's a, a big push to unionize in certain areas. And uh, that that's all very valid. Today, we're talking about some of the technological innovations that could help on that front. And I really do think that, that AI is one of those tools. Um, let's talk a little bit about the de-aging because for the average consumer you're looking at uh, there's there's two kinds of things here one is for the character meaning it's something like indiana jones in the next movie there are sequences where harrison ford is younger and they have de-aged him using technology like this that i think people get like you can de-age people now what people don't realize I, th I think is that your garden variety movie star who is maybe 60 or 65 years old now maybe there's some work done on that person in the movie you're watching and you don't even know it because the character is not supposed to be younger, but the person's face has been worked on. Tell me how prevalent that is. Very, very, <laughs> very. You'll prevalent. have to name names, although feel yeah. free. No, no, can't do that. Um, but but very prevalent. Uh, we, we, we call that cosmetic. Right. So Digital makeup, I've heard it called. Digital makeup, cosmetics. So when we talk about de-aging, aging, we're typically talking about moving someone 15 to 20 years on either side of the spectrum. And typically that that's done for plot line, right? Flashback episode is an example. 
But the bulk of the work is cosmetic. And the cosmetic stuff, we I, we believe it's probably somewhere along the lines of 80 to 85% of all productions out there in Hollywood right now. So 85% of movies are digitally making their stars younger on screen. So that when I'm watching, say, Top Gun Maverick or a Julia Roberts movie, or these are... These are, I'm not saying these people use it, but I am suspecting. They have had work done to their face digitally so that when I watch it and I go, holy shit, Tom Cruise looks amazing. That's not Tom Cruise. That's guys like you that are helping Tom Cruise. That's part of, that's part of, uh, that's, that's a big part of the, of, of the, what we would call the world of invisible VFX. So, you know, when you speak about, um, the proliferation of VFX and wanting to do VFX less expensively. The reason that there's such a capacity crunch in the industry right now is that as content grows, VFX grows. And most times people think VFX, they think big Marvel CG scene, you know, a thousand goblins running into a CG ocean. And that is VFX. Sure. But then there's so much stuff that you guys as consumers don't see. And I read an industry watchdog report the other day that states that, you know, right now there's probably three times as much VFX as there are artists in the world to do that work. And so you can't you can't solve that that kind of a spread by pumping more kids through animation school. Right. It's that's going to help. But you need you need something else. And that's why we're really excited about these AI solutions that we're building. The contracts for movie stars now and i talked to lawyers about this sometimes this stuff will be in the contract meaning x star agrees to do y movie if there is budget allocated to make x star look younger than he or she actually is that is also true (laughs) (laughs) so do you you lobby to get yourself put into those contracts they like that we will definitely use mars for that for that project um it's 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 something that we've spoken about internally. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the way that it's it's really interesting um, kind of delving into this world, because what you realize as you get deeper into it is that, you know, a lot of these celebrities, they're they're brands in and of themselves. And so just as a, just like a brand needs to remain consistent um, so does a celebrity's face. And I think those are the instances really when you're talking about ultra A-list where you see instances like the one you just referred to, but it's all because those are the people who really are brands that are of themselves. Yeah. And it's worth it. I mean, if you think about it, especially in the movie context where you're not shooting, you know, 10, 20 hours of footage in the movie context, if a movie star is in, let's say two hours of footage, like you could justify that cost. Like how much does it how much does it add to a budget to do this kind of work? Let's say on, you know, a, a two actors in a mainstream movie. A lot, a lot. I mean, again, because going like back to how, how much just, like give us a ballpark. <sighs> you could a be million? Talking. Yeah, yeah. You could be talking about it. You could be t- traditionally. Yeah, you could be talking about a couple million, two million. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And are there specific visual effects artists that are known for this? You know, like there are there were traditional makeup artists who, you know, X star would demand this makeup artist on the movie because this person knows their face and knows how to make them great. 
are there visual effects artists that are developing reputations that this is a miracle worker? Like whoever did Tom Cruise and <laughs> Top Gun Maverick, I want that person on my movie. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of hard to know because no one talks about it, right? And you don't really know who does, you don't really know who's working on whose faces. Um, it's, 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 all, it's all kind of quiet. And so, but absolutely, I think there's, there's firms like, uh, at this point, Mars is relatively well known for this, just by virtue of the fact that we've now used Vanity on 27 productions. Mm -hmm. And I think we've done a really nice job. When I say nice job, I mean, I think what I love most about the solution is that it's natural. There's nothing worse than seeing something, especially on a touch-up basis where, or a de-aging basis where the look is plastic. Right, like we like to say, where it's, it's I didn't think the Irishman was great. It 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 took me out of the movie a little bit. I'm sorry if you worked on that, but we did. It was, no, it it just didn't. Maybe it's because I know De Niro is so old, and these guys are so like I just it just kind of took me out of it. Yeah, I think the 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 general. I mean, look to to be fair, those guys had a hard task, right? Like when I mentioned before that we can go about fifteen years, twenty years on either side. Mm-hmm. You know, there is a level beyond that where you know the extreme would be Benjamin Button, right? Or what those guys did, where you have to take someone through their entire through their entire journey of their life, and you're and you're right. talking about de aging by huge, huge time frames. That's where you traditionally have to go CG because so much of the work is structural. So I think it was a it was a difficult task for that for that for that team. And then the other challenge just being the the discrepancy between the body and the face. So the face looks young, but the body's still old. It's moving older. Um, that that's that's what I hear a lot about that particular project. But I I still think tough task, and I think they did a pretty pretty good job at it. What's a particular effect or film or TV show that you are particularly proud of that you guys have worked on? The Wednesday stuff was great. I thought the effects in Wednesday are amazing. I'm sure there are multiple visual effects houses that worked on that. But uh, what's something that you're particularly proud of? Like that we've used Vanity AI on or just generally? Yeah, Yeah, well, either, but you're focused on the new tools. So something that you've used for that. Yeah. um, I think Spider-Man No Way Home was really great for Vanity. Um, so what did you guys do in that one? Um, we did a number. We, we did a number of actors, an actor and an actress in that film, um, DH. Um, okay. oh, oh, you don't want to say because it wasn't a character thing. It was just to make them look younger. Well, no, it was partially. It, 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 that, that one it kind of struck me somewhere in the middle. Um, so I always like I mean, to play I, I noticed that Tobey Maguire looked younger than he does in person. I saw him a couple of weeks ago and it did not look like the Toby Maguire that was in No Way Home. No, we didn't do Toby. I can tell okay. you that. Toby All wasn't right. one. Um the other I mean the ones that I like the ones that I feel most comfortable speaking about just because they're they're more clear cut examples of like a clear flashback episode. Like, yeah. I don't know if you saw Dr. Death last year. I didn't. Uh, Dr. Death Joshua Jackson. Sure. Flashback episode. Thought we thought it was really nicely done. Um and he's yeah. a guy who's in his 40s, and you probably, what, aged him into, what, 30? Yeah, we brought him back to about 20 years for a flashback episode using the technology. Um, and then in terms of just general Mars, I think, they yeah, have the stuff we're proudest of right now uh, for the business. So for those that are, like, listening in for the first time, so Mars mm-hmm. is Mars is unique. We've got a VFX company, and then we have an AI company, and it's all part of one entity. So we've got kind of core VFX where we're selling... VFX services traditionally, um, still with a focus on speed because a lot of what we do is TV, 
On the other side of the business is where we're building these next generation tools, Vanity AI being the first. But on the core side of the business, I mean, Moon Knight this year. I don't know if you saw Moon Knight. Oh, yeah. Moon Knight. We worked on Moon Knight, the actual character. And the, you know, I don't know if you remember that fight scene where he's jumping out and he's fighting those three guys. That was sure. that. Yeah. So that was us. Um, and then, yeah, Wednesday. I mean, can't get much better than that. Right. Like thing was uh, thing was really it was it was a cool it was a cool exercise because you had the actor who's uh, I believe his name was Victor, who who did a great job. And he was the, ha- the hand actor. Well, he, yeah, the hand actor. So he was physically playing thing and did such a fantastic job, but why that makes, why that made our job difficult for that, for that project was a, it's a hand. How the heck do you make this thing a moat? And we came and we came in for all of the impossible stuff, right? So opening scene when thing drops out of the car uh, or gets thrown into a duffel bag or is swimming underwater or anytime he's interacting with Wednesday, crawling all over Wednesday. That's the stuff where we came in. And because you had a real hand and because the shots are cutting back and forth, your, your CG hand has to be flawless. And I think it was kind of a feather in our cap after the show because nobody could tell. Everybody thought it was all real. And I think that's that's what we strive for internally. Sure. Um, yeah. No, that was impressive. A lot of different effects on that show. You've got a monster, you've got people getting, you know, tossed around, you've got magic stuff, and you've got like creatures like thing. So that's a that's a tough one. Um all right. So I, I want to ask a little bit about the trend towards being able to recreate or bring actors back to life or potentially let actors live forever because i think you guys will ultimately be at the forefront of this and i know there's a lot of rights issues involved and i know lawyers that are actively endeavoring to make sure that their clients will get paid or their families will get paid long after they are gone and their images are used in various capacities we talked a little bit about this on the panel at ces where someone like james earl jones can license his voice to a cloning company where they will be able to recreate Darth Vader's voice forever and yeah. he will eventually be able to move on and not do it anymore and they will you know he'll be able to get paid you guys can now create digital actors or digital versions of actors using ai programs do you th- how far away are we from movies or shows where actors are dropped in that didn't participate in that show or movie. It is it is so hard to put timelines on this stuff anymore because it's moving at such an a crazy pace. Our chief scientist, as an as an example, pioneer in the space. His name's Danny Cohenor out of Tel Aviv University. Um, one of the first guys in the world exploring this intersection between machine learning and graphics 10 years ago. Um, one of the most published, the most published SIGGRAPH um, contributor in the world. I asked Danny, how quick, how quick are these things moving? Even he can't see two months out anymore. Yeah. Uh, and what I would say is back of the envelope, I think two, two years, three two years. years to be- a, uh, until a fully CG slash AI generated character interacts with other actors in a movie and the person's not there. Yeah. 
I think I'm not so. talking, you know, a CG character like Avatar or whatever. I'm talking an actor we know, like dropping in James Dean into a new movie, and we don't know that James Dean died many decades ago. I mean, we're not that far today. Like we spoke about it on the panel. I mean, I know there was some pushback on the idea of have we passed the uncanny valley? I think we're getting pretty darn close. Yeah. Um, so, you know, in a specific example, like, like James Dean, I mean, there's ways to approach that problem today, right? You could do a face replacement with James Dean today. You could sync up James Dean's voice. You could um, have an actor read a script and then run that through a network that makes it sound like James Dean. That could all happen today. And I don't think we're that far from a world where the body as well is being brought back or replaced. Yeah. And it's all happening relatively in an automatic fa- in an automated fashion, I should say. I mean, they, didn't they do some face swaps on like social network with the, the Winklevoss twins and things like that? Where, But that's a little different because I feel like what we have now is where these programs, these AI programs can essentially take all of this input and then just generate it on its own. Yeah, and I, and I think it's, it's important to say that, you know, VFX can do this stuff today without AI. Problem is the time, the cost would be egregious. Right. Um, what AI does is it brings these use cases that were previously just not for all intents and purposes feasible and it makes them feasible for the first time. Yeah, I don't think we're I don't think we're that far and I could be wrong. It wouldn't surprise me if it happened in a year and I was just totally off on my timelines there. Just given the pace of everything. Well, and the ultimate arbiter of this stuff will be the audience because we've heard proclamations before about the ability to recreate actors and you know, I going all the way back to like that what was that Bob Zemeckis movie uh, with Tom Hanks, The Polar Express, where it's like, oh yeah, it's a CG generated movie, you know, hyper real. It looked like shit. You could tell, like the people, you know, the the, the uncanny valley problem was huge, and the audience rejected it. And I think there's, it's going to take some subtleties here, where maybe you do it and you don't tell anyone and see if people notice because the audience can kind of pick up on this stuff, or they, at least they have in the past. So you've got to get to the point where the audience just accepts it and doesn't even notice. Well, you know, it's, it's super interesting because, you know, both products that were so vanity, obviously facial manipulation. We have a second mm-hmm. product as well. It's still kind of in stealth mode, uh, also has to do with facial manipulation. And when I speak to kind of our, our chief scientist, director of research, one of the challenges of working on the face is like we as humans, have been looking at faces since you know since we were born and we have we have such an amazing innate ability to see when something is even kind of just remotely off and so that's what makes the whole uncanny valley, uh, valley problem um it's a real problem um but i also don't believe it's black and white i think you pass a certain threshold and you start to trick the brain and i think we're getting really close to that place where the consumers are going to be tricked. Can you can you give Henry Cavill a mustache in every movie that he does? 
we actually no. So this technology, so at least with vanity, no. I mean, we can do you it. You didn't work on that, did you? You didn't work on the whole Superman getting rid of his mustache. Thing. No, no, okay. no, no, no. We did not do that one. Um, <laughs> but uh, uh, but yeah, who knows? Future product ideas, maybe. All right. Thank you so much. Matt Panousis, thanks for coming on the show. Appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right, we are back with the call sheet. We've got producer Devin in here. Again, Craig's still out. Craig's having his, his work done. He should have just had a digital makeup artist work on him. Yeah, do you think he's getting buccal fat removal? <laughs> I don't know. I don't even know what that is. What is that your butt? No, it's like they remove, uh, it's the hot new thing. They remove fat from your cheeks. So it like. Uh, so you have a gaunt look like you're starving? Yeah, literally, yes. You want the Tom Brady look where somehow he's getting skinnier as he ages? <laughs> he might have gotten buccal fat removal, you know? <laughs> Maybe he did. Uh, all right. Have you ever been to Sundance, Devin? I have not. No, nice. but I hear it's great. Uh, I'm going this year. Uh, Craig will actually be there, I think. Uh, we will hopefully tape an episode or two of the show there. But uh, I know I'm looking at the weather and it's like supposed to be in the 20s during the day and you know single digits, very cold Sundance. The best Sundances are when there's a lot of snow on the ground, but the weather's actually decent. So it doesn't, uh, it doesn't you know, cause you to come home all sick. I fully expect to get COVID when I'm there. Oh, God. Well, hopefully the cold, like, neutralizes. Maybe it will. Something. The cruelest trick that Robert Redford ever did when they were planning the Sundance Film Festival in the 80s was to say, you know what? I'm going to make all these Hollywood assholes come to Utah in the middle of January for a film festival. He literally said that. And it worked. And everyone goes every year. And my prediction this year, I want to talk a little bit about the market for movies at Sundance, because in addition to being a big cultural festival, Sundance is a movie market where people take their movies, they get into the festival and they sell them. And there's a whole sales agency business around drumming up interest for movies and the all night bidding war and everything that goes on at Sundance. And the past few years, the streaming services have really dominated that market. I mean, we saw Apple paying $25 million for Coda a couple of years ago, ended up winning Best Picture. We see Netflix buying movies every year. Um, the, the market has really been dominated by these global streaming companies. But I think my prediction is, I think that's going to recede a little bit this year. And there's not going to be as much activity around the streamers. I think that the return on those movies is not as high as some might like, uh, the Coda notwithstanding. And just with the pullback in the streaming wars, I think there's going to be less activity 
with them. And that will give some opportunities for some of these other companies that have really been elbowed out of the market. Places like Sony Pictures Classics or you know, Neon, the distributor of something like Triangle of Sadness. And they have a great track record of getting festival movies to a wider audience. And there's an opportunity this year for some of these smaller distributors to come in and buy some Sundance movies that went to the streamers. So that's my prediction. Yeah, I mean, that would be um, that would be great. You know, there's a recession going on. Like, you can't be just spending willy-nilly. <laughs> well, there's opportunity there. If, if some aren't, others will, will be able to potentially... You know, a small distributor can't compete with $25 million that Apple's going to pay for Coda. And we'll see if there's anything like that in the festival this year. I've been looking at some of the titles. Nothing really stands out to me. There's an, there's an interesting thriller called Cat People based on a New Yorker story with Nicholas Braun and Amelia Jones that uh, I'm interested in. That could probably sell for a lot of money. Cousin Greg and a thriller rom-com sounds kind of interesting to me. But uh, the real action, for me at least at Sundance, is in the documentaries. The documentaries are always amazing. Uh, much better than the feature narratives. So if you ever go to Sundance, make sure you see the documentaries. Okay, will do. All right, that is the show for today. I want to thank my guest, Matt Panousis. I want to thank producer Devin Mancy. And I want to thank you. We will see you next week. 